Sugar Blue joins me on episode 25. First off, please excuse the background noise on Sugar's side, but it's a great interview nonetheless. Sugar Blue has pushed the boundaries of the harmonica with his rapid-fire licks, lots of high-end runs and gorgeous tone. It was perhaps his early jazz influences that shaped his distinctive sound, although he has certainly paid homage to the harmonica greats, spending time with some of the classic players. As well as numerous solo albums, Sugar has recorded with many illustrious names, including the Rolling Stones, Willie Dixon and Frank Zappa. He has two Grammy Awards and has recently released his new album, Colours. A word to my sponsor again, thanks to the Lone Wolf Blues Company, makers of effects pedals, microphones and more, designed for harmonica. Remember, when you want control over your tone, you want Lone Wolf. Hello, Sugar Blue, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Oh, hello, Neil. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today and taking the time. Appreciate it. We can start off with your name, Sugar Blue. Um, your your real name, James or Jimmy Whitting. Where did the the name Sugar Blue come from? Well, there was uh, an old track. On, somebody threw uh, a box of seventy eight records out of a window, and in it there was a box. There was a a record by Sidney Bechet uh, with a tune called The Sugar Blues on it. And all of the records broke except that one. And I said, okay, I had been looking for a name for a while, you know, like you know, there, there was Sonny Boy Williamson, Muddy Waters, Junior Wells, and I had been looking for a name and I said, well, this is it. <laughs> Serendipity. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's no, a good name. Works well, as you say. Sugar Blue uh, works very well. So, so you were raised in uh, in Harlem, in New York, but, and your mother was a, a singer and dancer yeah, at the Apollo Theatre. So, you definitely had a uh, that sort of background in the entertainment industry. Uh, yeah, man. You know, I grew up around I grew up around musicians and music from the time that I can remember. Yeah, and so did you start performing at an early age? And you know, what sort of involvement did you have? You know, the sort of entertainment back then. No, well, I wanted to be a singer from the time that I could remember, but my mother said, <laughs> I sounded like a horse. <laughs> she said, no, you'll never sing. And so I believed her for a while. I didn't really start trying to play music until I was about 12 or 13 years old. I got a saxophone when I was in grade school, and I started trying to play that. Then, then there was a violin and a flute. I played the sax for a while, and I really got into it. But my mom was like, oh, no, you can't practice that thing in the house. So that was the end of the saxophone, and I was heartbroken. And my godmother bought me a harmonica, and we've been friends ever since. Of course, you, you are a singer now and have been for quite some time. So did, did you carry on singing then, or did you return back to that when you got a bit older? I got into the harmonica and I played. Uh, I played the harmonica. I didn't sing. I didn't sing for years. I, actually, I didn't sing until I got into a band. I had a gig at, a, at for General Electric, 
and we had an after after work band and nobody would sing and so everybody said well you sing <laughs> i was like okay well why not two songs I'm so glad and in a God of the Vida <laughs> and we did those two songs for about a half an hour before the before the club owner tossed us out on our ears but that was the beginning of my singing <laughs> yeah and great and it's very effective too you know you've got quite a high voice haven't you? it really complements uh, the harmonica playing really well I think so yeah a, a good move for you to do the singing you know, you know, so again, as you started out in your in your early life, you, you know, you, you're around your mother and all the performers. I, I believe you, you met Billy Holiday during this time. Billy was a good friend of my mom's. When I was born, Billy had a gig at the Apollo Theater, and she stopped by the house, according to my mother, okay? See, I was a baby. I was an infant at this time. <laughs> she told me that um, Billy was wearing her beautiful uh, silk dress, uh, that she was going to perform in, and uh, she wanted to hold the baby. And I had just finished having my pablum. And so she held me and she patted me on the back, and of course I deposited my pablum on her dress. And she normally wore her gardenias, corsage, in her hair. There's a photo of her with it. Uh, she's wearing it above her left breast. And that's where I deposited the pebble. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you must have been destined for great things after doing that to Billy Holiday. <laughs> hey, man, you know, I have no memory of it. I only know what my mom told me. <laughs> so uh, obviously Billy Holiday is a very famous uh, female jazz singer. So you were interested in, in jazz early on, weren't you? I believe Lester Young was, uh, was one of your early favorites. Oh, yeah, man. Are you kidding? I remember uh, the first time that I really remember being in love with the music was a song that uh, called PC Blues. I dug my mom. Mom, what is that? What is that? What is she said? It's the blues. Boy, now leave me alone. She was trying to cook. <laughs> And I fell in love with the blues, you know, the big band kind of jazzy kind of blues, you know. I didn't get into a Chicago, Chicago blues and Delta blues for years. You know, I didn't know about that stuff. <laughs> I just knew about the big band stuff, you know, Duke Ellington, Count Basie. So does that mean when you were starting out on harmonica, you were trying to emulate saxophone players? Oh, I was trying to emulate saxophone players. I was also trying to emulate violin players. <laughs> and we used to uh, watch, uh, you know, the cowboy, the cowboy uh, shows on television. And I would play along with those, you know, because there was a lot of harmonica in that stuff. I had an ear for jazz since I was since I was little, you know, because there was so much of it being played around me. When I did get into um, Chicago blues and Delta blues, I just I just took what I had been hearing with me into that music. 
And, uh, you know, probably influence your style, as, as we'll get onto uh, shortly, because uh, you know, she probably got quite a unique sound as, as a harmonica player. And as you say, though, you did get into, uh, you know, obviously playing along with the blues greats. And, and uh, But first of all, I think you were uh, interested in Stevie Wonder and even Bob Dylan you were playing along to as your sort of first harmonica influence. Oh, yeah, man. You know, Steve, I mean, well, you know, it's like that's the kind of stuff that you heard on the radio, you know? And uh, I was uh, I was very much into practically anybody that was playing the harmonica. <laughs> There's no place to learn it except uh, you know on records and on the radio. And of course, then you you got into the you know the blues greats, Little Walter and Sonny Boy Williamson the second. So any particular songs you remember from back then that really grabbed you about you know playing that sort of Chicago blues styles? Oh well, I mean Juke, of course, and Help Me, and uh, Big Walter. Hard-hearted woman. <laughs> I still love that tune. I like the, uh, the the fluid guys, you know, the cats that played with, with a very fluid kind of uh, sound, you know what I'm saying? And, and then I think you spent some time, didn't you, with, with some of the greats, you know, with, with Big Walter, Junior Wells and, and James Cotton. Did you study with those guys or you hung out with them and played with them? I went to the gigs and I hung out with them. I, I listened to them play. I listened to them talk. I ate and drank with them. I mean, you know, for me, that for me that was Blues University, man. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I remember early in my, in my musical in, in my musical life, I was playing with a guy named Larry Johnson, and Larry Johnson, he's he's a great blues guitar player and vocalist in uh, Piedmont style. He told me, you know, listening to the records is great, man, but you got to live this music. You got to know the people that played it. You got to try and sit down, talk, and uh, commiserate with these people, or otherwise you'll never really get it. You know, it's like you can listen to the records, but there's something that you're going to miss if you don't have the association with the people that it came from. And I think he was very right about that. Yeah, so with those guys, you know, some of the guys we mentioned there, Junior Wells, Big Walter, were they very welcoming then? You were quite happy. I presume you were quite a young guy then. You were hanging out with them. Is that was there a few people doing that or? Well, I was always, I was always right up front under their eyes, you know, it's like at some point it was, you know, and I would introduce myself and, and hang out and, and listen and be, be very studious about the whole thing. And, and, um, the old timers, man, they noticed that kind of stuff, you know, and they appreciate it because there were very few young cats that were really, uh, trying, trying to take lessons, trying to understand, trying to, uh, appreciate and celebrate their music and so they appreciated that fantastic yeah so a great place to learn so if we move on a bit to your recording career now so a great long recording career you've had so i think you made your first recording is it right with brownie mcgee in 1975 actually the first recording i ever did was with victoria spivy and that was uh oh 1970 i don't know 73 74 yeah, because uh, Victoria heard us busking on the street in the West Village in New York City. And she said, hey.
hey, I want to record you. And I was like, okay, why not? <laughs> and she was great. She, she, she actually became our blues fairy godmother. And do you know what recording that was with Victoria Spivey? Well, it's, it's a track that's on, on the label. It's called Sugar Really Has the Blues on Spivey Records. Brilliant. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you recorded with Victoria, but then you did record with Brownie McGee in 1975. Yeah, I recorded with Brownie. I recorded with Louisiana Red, Johnny Shines. Yeah. So when you recorded with Brownie, were you standing in for Sonny Terry at that point? Uh, yes, actually, Sonny Terry had passed away, and I was always at the concerts to see Sonny Terry and Brownie, and I was always there, you know, studying the music. And uh, Brownie let me sit in at some point. And uh, he liked the way I played. And so when Sonny passed and he was in the studio, he got in touch with me. And the rest is music history, you know. We recorded a song called On a Rainy Day, which is a, one, of, one of Brownie's, for me, one of Brownie's most beautiful songs. Maybe she had two, two cups of coffee. I had one small one small cup of tea You know she just walked Out of my life Left those old low down dirty so, I mean, you know, your style is quite different from Sonny Terry, certainly later. But listening to some of your early recordings, you mentioned uh, playing with Johnny Shines. You know, you did have, you know, more, you know, acoustic-y. Uh, is that a style you developed earlier on, do you think? Listening to and playing along with uh, Sonny Terry? Well, I, I, I really didn't have much of a Sonny Terry sound. I mean, I loved what he did, but I didn't think that anybody could really do that stuff like Sonny could. Yeah. And so I didn't. I didn't really try and do that. I was. I was looking for a more lyrical way of playing the harmonica than that. Yeah, and certainly, you know, listen to some of your early recordings. You, you, your style is in there early on, isn't it? You know, we'll, we'll we'll talk about your style a little bit more later. But it, you know, that is in quite early, isn't it? So is that a style you developed quite early on, and you know, and, and stuck with? Oh yeah, man. I used to sit around and and listen to BB King, right, and try to imitate what he was doing. He's such a lyrical and um, and melodic player, you know. And you mentioned Louisiana Red there, so you toured with Louisiana Red for a few years in the late seventies. Uh, you know, you toured around. I know you came to London and played in the in the Hundred Club in London. So you you toured around with him for a few years. Oh yeah, that was. <laughs> we had some wild times back then. Yes, indeedy. The 1970s were they were were really great. They were really great. I miss I miss old Red. He was he was great. And then uh, I think in 1977, you moved to Paris, sort of after talking to Memphis Slim, who was based over in Europe as well. So you you came over to to Europe. Uh, Yeah, I had had met Slim at a place called uh, Art Delivers Village Gate in the West Village. I came in, I sat in with him. He liked the way I played. And I said, wow, you know, what, what do you think if I went to Paris and played? Do you think I could make it over there? He said, well, son, you have to come and see. You have to find out for yourself. And so about, I don't know, about two or three months later, I was on a plane, man. <laughs> Excellent. And so what was the blue scene like in, the, in, in Paris around that time? Oh, well, around that time, there was Memphis Slim. 
that was pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, there were there was slim. There were a few. There were a few uh, French guys around playing the blues. But when it came down to the true tradition, there was uh, Memphis Slim, and I remember uh, champion Jack Dupree came through. And I met and hung out with him. I loved it. Loved the way he played the blues. Loved his attitude. He was a magic guy, this guy. But that was really just just about it, you know. Now and then, uh, I remember uh, George Harmonica Smith came through. He passed through on on tour. As far as local in Paris, it was slim. That was it. Were you playing with Memphis Slim then? Is that when you first went to Yeah, well, I played. I played with Slim... He didn't really give me any play at all for about a year. So I was busking in the subways and on the streets of Paris with uh, with a, a girlfriend of mine at the time who played bass and a friend of mine that came over from New York who was playing guitar. So we had our little three-piece and we were playing through pig nose amplifiers in the metro and uh, on the streets of Paris. This, is it right? This is where Mick Jagger saw you playing, and, and that's where he first discovered you. Yeah, yeah indeed. <laughs> I think Keith had heard me on a record with Louisiana Red, and they came by a club that we were playing in called La Vieille Gris. That's sort of where I became aware that they knew who I was. I don't know. They may have seen me somewhere else, but that was when I became aware that they knew who I was. Well, so fantastic. And then you became Rolling Stone's harmonica player for, well, you recorded on three other albums and, of course, very famously uh, the song Miss You, which you play the, the very memorable harmonica riff on that song. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of other nice tunes that I really liked. Well, the hit, the monster hit was Wish You. Now, I, I think that I did something played on Send It To Me or something like that. And a blues tune that we sort of came up with together because I was practicing... I was practicing in one of the studios, doing, just doing some chords, and it ended up on the record uh, under the name of Down in the Hole, which I really like that tune because there's some really wicked heart playing on there. <laughs> so, I mean, so what was it like then? I mean, you, you were touring with Rolling Stones. I did a couple of uh, sit-ins with them, I guess, uh, you know, just doing some, blowing some stuff with them. Once we did something at Wembley, the Wembley... Uh, stadium and then i did some stuff with them in the states in uh chicago and around there it was fun and what was really fantastic about it after i had done that i got the opportunity to do my own record because uh up until that time i had been trying to uh, get somebody to record me and nobody would and after i did that all of a sudden i was a hot commodity (laughs) so obviously mick jagger is uh known to play some harmonica not not to your standard of course so did you you ever have a you know a sort of harmonica duet with uh, Mick Jagger on stage or, or any recordings at all of that? No, in the studio we uh, you know we traded back and forth. We traded some looks back and forth. You know he was he was he was big time into Little Walter. You know like hey do you know this song by Little Walter? Do you know this one? Do you know that one? And you know I was like oh yeah I know that one yeah we, you know, we and we play some riffs from that from from one of his tunes or and so forth yeah so we, I mean but we never recorded together no. You know, so well, brilliant. Though. I mean, obviously, great that he's a fan of the harmonica and you know got you on. And I mean, it must be great playing, you know, with one of the most successful rock bands, you know, in all time, really, and some some huge stadiums. So it must have been quite a thrill to play with those guys. 
Oh man, you know, it was like I don't know, it was it was magical, you know. It was like okay, you know, it's like one day I'm one day I'm playing on the streets of Paris and the next day I'm in the studio with the Rolling Stones. It was like wow. Check me out, Mom. <laughs> so, great. Well, fantastic. A brilliant thing to do. Uh, congrats on that. So, so, as you say, then, that led on to you. You know, you decided, I think they still wanted you to, to play with them, but you decided to return to the States then and to, rec- and to cut your own album and, and sort of pursue your own solo career then, yeah? Oh, man. Hey, it was like, hey, I wasn't going to be no Rolling Stone, okay? So, I had to do it on my own. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, so quite a brave decision, though, you know, having a gig like that and sort of deciding you, know, you, you weren't going to go on and, you know, go off on your own. So your debut solo album was in 1979, the, the Crossroads album. Yeah, that was the, that was my first solo album. Yeah. Where I got where I got an, an opportunity to uh, write songs and record some of the tunes that I uh, that I really loved by uh, some of the traditional cats. Like I covered uh, Sonny Boy Williamson's and I covered Howlin' Wolf's Who's Been Talking. And then you did a you did another album shortly, well, a few years later, called From Paris to Chicago, which obviously had that transition from you moving back to the states. Yeah, you, know, you were back in Chicago then. Is that when you went back and you started? You, you performed a little bit with Big Walter and Carrie Bell and James Cotton, some of the guys we talked with uh, earlier on. Did you get back and meet with those guys and start playing with them? I, I did more listening to those cats than I did playing with them. I remember playing with with Junior one night. He played a regular C harp, and I used a three. 65 14 hole and it was really it was really something kind of special i remember that i wish i wish somebody had recorded it it was beautiful yeah well it's a shame uh everyone has smartphones now a shame it would have been caught wouldn't it but yeah unfortunately back then it was not the same in 1984, you recorded a track which was on the, uh, I think, the, the, the Montreux Jazz Festival, festival in Switzerland, is uh, Another Man Done Gone, which is playing a low harp. And that album won a Grammy for the best traditional blues. So uh, remember that album? Oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, Coco Taylor was on that record. Quite a few other, quite a few other uh, Chicago players. It was really it was really a special time for me. I met Nina Simone there. It was, it was just fantastic, man. You know, some of the great jazz players were. And, you know, I got to hang out and play with them and, we play, and, and sit in with B.B. King. That was a very, that was a very, a very special time. 
time on Mount Show for me. Yeah, and uh, did you did you receive a Grammy Award? Have you still got the Grammy Award for that? Well, my first wife has my Grammy Award somewhere. It's, it's somewhere in in Lyon. <laughs> and then in 1988, you played on another Grammy-winning awarded record with Willie Dixon playing on the Hidden Charms album. So you, you toured with the Chicago Blues All Stars, Willie Dixon's band, for a few years, didn't you? And that's that's an album which came out of that. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, working with Willie Dixon was maybe one of the greatest, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Dixon taught me so much. He helped me to learn how to write songs. I mean, his he was a teacher, a mentor, and a friend. It was really a great experience getting to work with him. Getting to work with him, heck, just getting to sit down and talk to him and listen to him. You know, his experience over more than 40 years, 40, 50 years in the music it was really very special time yeah real legend and of course wrote, wrote a lot of great blues songs didn't it so yeah fantastic to play with him in 1994 you really you released the blue blazes album which is the fir- your first album on the uh, the famous alligator blues label yep uh yeah yeah actually it was for a japanese uh, record company that was distributed by alligator records i remember rico mcfarland my partner in crime for many many years one of the greatest guitar players in the blues music period talked me into covering Miss You. I said, man, come on. I don't want to do that. He said, yeah, yeah, you got to do that. (laughs) And so we came up with a version of it. I had a ball doing that. I had a ball doing that, right? So, so presumably you had to get permission from the Rolling Stones management to do that. Was that all good? Were they happy to give you that? Yeah, there was no problem. I mean, come on, you know, every time somebody covers their covers that tune, they get paid, okay? <laughs> you made that song with your riff, let's face it. Hey, man, I gave, I gave it my heart and soul. You know, working with them was really quite an experience. I had, I had a ball. And one of my favorite guys in that band... Then and now is Ronnie Wood. I love that guy. <laughs> I absolutely love that guy. What a fi- what a fire what a fiery spirit. What what a gregarious and fun guy to be around. You know, getting into the into the nineties, you know, you had Blue Blazers, and then you did the album In Your Eyes, also on this on the Alligator label, which you know is a bit of a departure from a strict blues album. You know, I had been writing, I had been writing some songs, and I really wanted to, I wanted to stretch, you know, because for me, the blues, the, see, the blues has spawned practically all of the great music that we listen to now: rock, pop, punk, funk, country, <laughs> jazz, you name it. So I just wanted to dabble into some of that kind of into some of the musics that were spawned by the blues
There's quite a few live albums of you available. So, you know, if you're playing live concerts, which, you know, captures a nice live sound and, you know, nice long solos from you. Is So, I mean, what about that, releasing the live albums? Is that something you've been really encouraged to do to get that different uh, sound out? I'll tell you what, man. I really didn't want to do live albums. I really liked uh, the control that's possible in the studio. But the band had been bugging me for years. <laughs> I was like, at some point, I was like, okay, all right, enough. Let's do it. <laughs> you know. And I did it because I did it because because I wanted him to stop wearing my brain out about doing it. And the drummer finally he just he just said, "Okay, that's it." I quit. If you don't do a live album, I quit. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, all right, all right, we'll do it. Um, and I'm actually, I'm really glad we did. <laughs> yeah, I know some great ones and some great songs on there. And then, and then uh, back to the studio in 2007, the Code Blue album. You do a you do a song called Chicago Blues, which is uh, you know very much about you know the, the sort of decline of the popularity of the blues, and, and that it's your responsibility and other people to try and keep the blues alive. Did you write the lyrics to that song yourself? Yes, I did. My bass player and I came up with the, with the music and the melody for it. You know, actually, she came up with a bass line that was kind of outrageous. I was like, ooh, that's nasty. That's how this. And so we started working at it, and Junior Wells had passed not too long ago. And it just made me realize that, man, all of the great old timers were leaving us. And so as a result, uh, Chicago Blues is the song that resulted from, uh, from that feeling of loss. I, I feel that I was so very blessed to have been able to know and work with these guys. And I will never be able to thank Memphis Slim enough because he said, son, playing over here and, you know, cutting and working with the stones and all of that, that's all that's good. He said, but what really, what you really need to do is go to Chicago and sit down and listen and learn from some of the, some of those great blues harmonica players before they leave here because they ain't going to be here forever. And that was some of the best advice that I ever got. But you're back in uh, living in Europe now. You're living in Italy now. Is that right? Yeah. Um, uh, yes, we're in Italy now. Yes. Um, okay. So uh, on, on the uh, on the Cold Blue album, sorry, and also on the In Your Eyes album as well, you you, you play some chromatic harmonica. Yeah. So the average guy song on the In Your Eyes albums plays some some pretty tasty chromatic. So chromatics uh, something you use quite a lot of, yeah, not just in a blues context. Oh yeah, I mean you know it's like I, I was listening to um, I was listening to Stevie and uh, cats like Toots Thielman. Not that I can equal these people, but I, I was definitely influenced by them. And the chromatic harmonica uh, lends itself to a very melodic and very beautiful and warm sound, which is why I, I which is why I used it. Yeah, and a very effective on the average guy song. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I actually I used it in a tune called "Lip Service and Lies" too. 
and in uh, Chicago blues. And actually, I mixed the chromatic harmonica for the uh, hook, and uh, there's chromatic harmonica and diatonic harmonica recorded one over the other. And it really was a special kind of sound. On the Threshold album, you do this song, uh, Rambling. What two harmonicas are they? It sounds like there's maybe a bass harmonica on there. Uh, yeah, uh, one is called a, a chromonica. It's a chromatic instrument, and it's all blue, and, and it's uh, in the bass, and it's in, it's in the bass clef. And then there's a 365-14 home harmonic marine band in the key of C, which they stopped making, and it broke my heart. <laughs> so is it you playing both the harmonicas? Yeah, that's me playing both harmonicas. Yeah, no, it sounds sounds great, really effective, that one. There's a, an interview with you on the uh, on the last song on that Fresh Show album, which is really interesting and a, gr- a really good interview. So well worth a listen if people want to hear more from you on that on the uh, the last track on that Threshold album. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was chatterboxing my brains out on that one. <laughs> well, you, you say this really beautiful thing about what music means to you at the, towards the end of that interview, which is really beautiful to hear. So, yeah, I well recommend people checking that out, yeah. Uh, really sort of summing up what the, you know the music means to you music is the intermediary between the spiritual and sensual life you know what I mean <laughs> it is the medium between the spiritual and the sensual life it touches everything we do and everything we do and every aspect of our lives another uh, live album from you Raw Sugar in 2012 and uh, a song which you're quite well associated with his uh, Muddy Waters One More Mile and you, and you do this effect where you hold a single note for like a really long time so that's a, that's a little uh, harmonica uh, trick you like to do isn't it? Every now and then you know it was like I felt like it was effective at the time so <laughs> so I did it. <laughs> yeah I think it is I think people are like wow how does he how does he not need to breathe so it's worth it from that point of view if nothing else it's, uh, it's impressive. Getting on to your most recent album, which is called Colors, released in, in 2019. So what about that album and, uh, and why the name Colors? Uh, well, I mean, just the, the various colors of the music, you know, because we did, we did, uh, we touched on quite a few different genres in that. And I thought, oh, there's you know, many different colors in that, in that album. So I was like, okay, Colors, that's the name of the album. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great album as well. So yeah, I say your most recent album and getting out there now. And so a couple of the songs. So on the song "I'm the Devil Too," you have this great sound effect with a with a harmonica, which kind of summons the devil. Yeah, so it's really effective that that sort of effect you've got on the harmonica on that one. 
I just uh, hooked up to um, my amplifier. Actually, uh, it was it was an amplifier that uh, a boogie that uh, Keith Richards gave me, and I and I just and I maxed I maxed it out and um, used lots lots of middle, and uh, I just overdrove it to, to overdrove it to a max, and uh, the sound worked, and the sound worked really well for me. I, I mean, I thought it was great for that particular tune. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, really shows that range of sounds coming out of the harmonica. Yeah, and and you, you know, you say you've quite a few different styles on there. You've got some nice acoustic playing on there. We've got bass reeves, which is uh, you know some nice acoustic sounds. You do day tripper by the Beatles, so. Uh I love that tune. And you do the day tripper riff on the on the harmonica, and the, so you know it's a it's a. How do you approach a song that is so sort of well known as day tripper? And uh, well, I mean, uh, we had we had uh, one of the one of the great bass players from the Ice Kickers, and uh, and we and I said, hey man, I want to funk this up, and he said, well, how about this? And he, and he came up with this bass line that was really rocking. And so the rest, the rest of it was easy. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, and I really like the song Man Like Me as well. That's a, that's a great one. Some interesting lyrics. Did you write the lyrics for that one? Yes, I did. <laughs> that was a breakup song. <laughs> yeah, so a great album. So you're still promoting the, the album Colors now. I think it's, it's come out reasonably recently, hasn't it? And obviously during this time, uh, that's something you're still trying to promote. Yeah, yeah, and 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 actually, you know, very shortly we're going to start working on a new one. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on from your recording career there. So you played with lots of great people. You know, you, you played with Muddy Waters, I believe, as well. BB King, Art Blakey, Stan Getz, you played with as well. Is that right? Yeah, we actually got to record with him. Yes, uh, and you did you record or you played with Frank Zappa even? I worked with Zappa. And it was a live thing that we did. In the Terry Mutualité, so a huge theater in uh, in Paris, and he said, "Hey man, I want to play some blues. Will you play some blues with me?" I was like, "Hell yeah! Are you kidding? You know, because I mean, Zappo's a guitar god, you know, and uh, somebody that I really loved for a long time, and so it was really a great pleasure to work with him." Yeah, no, fantastic. Yeah, the legendary Frank Zappa and the very uh, interesting things he's done through the years. Uh, yeah, and, and talking touch on the awards, you know, you've got two Grammys under your belt for the recordings you played on. You've also won the uh, the Chicago Music Best Performer in 2012, 13, and 14 as well. So you're still, uh, you know, very active there in the Chicago scene and winning those three awards. That was really special, you know. I mean, to win those, those kind of awards in Chicago for a New Yorker, <laughs> it's really kind of special. And, uh, and you played at Robert Johnson's the 150 uh, concert at the Apollo Theatre, which is where your mother started out as well. Yeah, so a special time for you there. Oh, yeah, man. I was like, okay, hey, I'm here. I did it, you know, because, you know, it's like I, I, I hung around that, that theatre from, from the time I was a kid. I never, I never thought I, I would get an opportunity to play there. It meant more to me than playing at Carnegie Hall, okay, because I played at Carnegie Hall with Willie Dixon. And that was nice. But playing at the Apollo Theater, that was the top. Take it, take it you, your mother wasn't at the concert? Uh, no, mom, my mom had passed away quite a few years before. 
And uh, so I'm I'm in the UK, and and you know you've come over here a, a few times with Giles Robson and the, and the blues concerts that he's put on, and he's he's brought you over and he's played with with his band and Billy Branch. So so uh, how about those uh, gigs with Giles Robson? Oh yeah, man, we had we had a we had a ball, you know. Billy played there, Giles. Yeah, you played with Charlie Musselwhite. I yeah, Charlie, Charlie Musselwhite was there. Yeah, it was um, it was that was it was fun. We had fun, man. You know. Hanging out, talking harmonica, it was it was great. We did that, and we played we played some fun, we played some great music together. Yeah, I saw I saw one of those concerts. I was there when you played in Burnley. You've recorded on uh, you know some film tracks. You recorded on a Robert De Niro film, uh, Angel Heart, in 1987. Yeah, yeah, that and, and um, Brandon McGee brought me in on that. Brandon McGee brought me in on that. I remember I got a call. He said, "Hey, you want to do a movie with me?" And I was like, "I mean, when Brandon McGee calls and says, do you want to? It doesn't matter what you want you to do. You do it." <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so uh, it's great to be on that. And and then you did a sort of you played also with um, Fats Domino and Ray Charles uh, on, a, on a sort of a Fats Domino's and Friends music documentary. Uh, yeah, that was really great, man. I mean, that that was that was a dream come true for me, man, to work with Ray Charles and Fats Domino and Jerry Lewis, man. That was really a bomb. It was yeah. really bomb. I mean, but standing next to for me, one of the greatest. One of, the, one of the greatest voices of all time, Ray Charles. It was it, I, I, I had no words for that. <laughs> well, well, one of the again, one of the greats. So you played with some fantastic people, and that like, doesn't get much better than Ray Charles as well. So yeah, well done. Uh, got an amazing career. So yeah, I recorded with I recorded with Dylan too. I, I had an opportunity to record with Dylan way back in the seventies. Wow, do you know which track that was? Yeah, it's called. Um, it's called. Nobody can throw the ball like catfish can. It was about a it was a, a, a blues song about a baseball player. <laughs> so brilliant! Yeah, again, a fantastic recording career. Played with some you know, some of the biggest names in music there. So if we move on to the last section now, we'll talk a little about about your playing style and then about some of your gear again. So uh, yeah, I'll move on. So your your playing style, you know, is very quite unique in harmonica. You know, you play quite a lot of fast licks. You play a lot of top end stuff. You've got a very distinctive style. There's a quote about you which you you transcend the supposed limitations of the instrument. So you know, how do you approach that style, and what do you think about that tag? Hey man, you know, people people said, well, yeah, I, 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 that was uh, a critic, a music critic, wrote that about me. I really appreciated it. I just do what I do, man. I play. I mean, I play from my heart, and and I took in the various musical experiences and influences uh, that I've had over the years into uh, into the music I play. It's just me. It's just what I do. Well, you know, it's very effective and, you know, very distinctive sound. You know, you definitely push the harmonica, you know, you, you don't sound like anybody else, you know, so it's just great what you've done. So obviously we talked about you listening to jazz early on and I've heard you say that you like to practice scales. So is that the way that maybe on the top end, especially where you you do some runs, which, are, you know, kind of based on your practice of scales and, you know, and, and the importance of playing that? 
uh, you know, playing scales and that type of stuff. Like on any instrument, man, if you want to master, if you want to master uh, facility and fluidity, you better practice scales. <laughs> But you've also, you know, as well as this, you know, you're not just a fast player, but you also do get some really beautiful acoustic tone, you know, some some beautiful war sounds. You know, when people checking you out, if they're not that familiar, you know, you get some, you know, some really, truly fantastic tone on the harmonica as well. So, you know, what about how you developed, you, you, you know, nice tone as well? to cats like <clears throat> Big Walter and Sonny Boy and try to absorb as much try to absorb as much from them as I could, you know, because they were masterful uh, acoustic harmonica players. You just you take as much as you possibly can from the masters and try and interiorize it and then do what you do your way uh, according to the things that you've learned from them, you know. For me, one of the players with the most incredible acoustic sound was Big Walter, man. What a... I, I mean, I used to sit in front of him, and I'm still awed by the sound that that man could get out of a harmonic. Yeah, I've heard that from other people, too. You know, what What do you think it was? Because he had big hands, for one thing, was that... He had big hands, and he had um, a very large face, you know, from his cheekbone down to his jawbone. I mean, they gave him a sound box that was... A, that was incredible <laughs> yeah so those physical attributes yeah and and you do there's a nice uh, video of you doing um an unplugged video on youtube which i'll put a link to on and uh, again showing off your acoustic tone there and you do a nice version of old blues on there as well which you know showing your jazzy roots as well again there <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. No, I mean, and all blues. I, I mean, like Miles Davis, man. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> talk, talk, talk about, man. Talk about somebody that could play the blues. Oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. You know, listening to those those uh, sax, those horn players, you know, who, you know, thought it was jazz, but they play blues a lot of the time, don't they? So they, a lot of harmonicas players will do well to go and listen to some of those guys and, you know, get those sort of the blues lines out of the jazz guys as well. So. Oh yeah, I mean you know you see you got you got you you got to you got to expand your in, expand your musical input. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 and so that you can paint with a broad brush. So a uh, question I ask each time is: uh, if you had ten minutes to practice, what would you spend those ten minutes doing? I would uh, practice my scales, um, take time to listen to uh, and, and uh, play a song that I like, you know, uh, work on a melody of a song that I like, and that that'd be pretty much cover it. Yeah, that'd take 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, we'll move on to the last section now. So, yeah, so talking uh, just talking about gear now. Um, so first of all, um, 
an iconic picture of you is you're wearing that great harmonica belt that you have, the sort of uh, gunslinger sort of belt with all your harmonicas in. So uh, where did you get that one from? Well, I used to put my harmonicas in a box on top of my amp, and one night I reached back there and and I went to grab a harp and knocked the entire box over behind the stage, and that was like, okay, okay I got to find another way. To, I got to find another way to keep my harps where, where I can get my hands on them, and that was where the uh, harmonica belt was born. Yeah. So did you have that purpose built for you? Yeah, I did. A friend of mine built it for me. Yeah, because uh, they're quite tricky in a way, aren't they? Because, I mean, do you find it works well? It doesn't get in the way and it holds your harps well. Yeah, hey, man. And, uh, I mean, you know, and then you got all the harps, you got all your harps right there in, right there uh, on your chest. I mean, it works. And it's, certainly, again, certainly a great look. So, uh, and talking about the, the harmonicas that you play, your harmonica of choice, I know you played the Special 20 for a long time. Is that, was that your favorite harmonica? When they first made the Special 20, I started playing it because I had been using, of course, Marine Band because that's all there was before. That's all there was from Homer before that. And I practiced so much that the reeds, the, the space divider between the reeds would swell up and cut my tongue and, and cut my lips. And when they put out the plastic one, I said, yeah, man, finally, great. Because no more cut up lips, no more bleeding tongue. <laughs> yeah, the, of course, back then they, uh, they didn't treat the wood in the, in the marine bands, but they've got the crossovers now. So are you playing the crossovers or are you still using the special 20s? I still use the special 20s. I mean, I've used uh, the crossover, especially the low, the low tone ones on, on a track that I cut. But I prefer the special 20. How, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, that's my heart of choice. Yeah, have you tried the, the Rockets? Because the Rockets is a sort of new version of the Special 20. They're very nice. Uh, yeah, I, actually, I was talking with uh, my guy at Homer, and he was telling me, yeah, you got to try this. you got to try this. You're going to really like it. I said, okay, send me some. We'll see how, we'll see how it goes. And are you talked about the 365, uh, the extended range uh, Horner diatonic, which Sonny Boy used to play, of course. So you still have some of those. Actually, Sonny Boy never played that. Oh, did he not? Okay. No, he didn't. What he used was the echo vapor. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 and and uh, which was which was uh, a ten hole. It was a ten hole that, that was tuned really low. You know, some of them had were really low tuned. I, I found them. I, I remember finding a bunch of them in uh, Switzerland when I was over there. Uh, when I was playing at the, the Montreal Fest, I found a bunch of them. He, he uh, used a lot of those harmonicas back in the day. And he wasn't using the, uh, because I thought he was using the 14 hole. <laughs> and uh, do you have a favorite key of a uh, diatonic? Um, not particularly. The key that works for the song. That's, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, because I notice in your songs you do play, you know, quite a wide range of harps. So you're up to there's quite a lot on the F harp and then down in the lower ones as well. Obviously, you play the low harps like on Another Man Done Gone. So, yeah, you, you have a big range there, yeah. And uh, do you play any different tunings at all? No. I regularly tuned. Uh, I remember uh, Willie Dixon gave me uh, a minor tune harmonica. I didn't really like it. It was like, if I want to play in a minor, then I'll, ch- then I'll just change positions on, on a regular harp. 
so yeah, so you, you're talking about positions then. I mean, you, you play various positions on the harp. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was like, um, you know, first, second, third, some fourth, and that's about it for me. I, I, I go as far as fourth. I've used fifth, but I never recorded anything with it. I think you, you do play some overblows, don't you? No, man, I'm not a big fan of overblows, you know, which is which is one of the reasons that if I need overblows, if I if I need those notes, I'll go to a chromatic, you know. Here and there on, uh, on some tracks, I've used like an overblow here or there, but I'm not an overblow guy. And what about the embouchure you use? Are you a, a lip purser or a tongue blocker? I'm a tongue blocker, yeah. Yeah, man, like it, old school, man. You know what I mean? Old school, like uh, Big Walter, uh, Little Walter, um, Sunny Boy. And, uh, and amplifiers? Are you any particular favorite amplifiers? I use, I mean, wow, from the time that Keith gave me the boogie, I use that for, I mean, I use that for about, from the time I recorded uh, Miss You on. I mean, I used it on practically every, practically everything that I recorded. I used, I used uh, a boogie. So a mess of boogie, is that? Yeah, yeah. The, the old ones, not the new ones with 50 million knobs on them. I mean, give me a break. And microphones, any any microphones particularly? I've used, uh, basically, I've been using, uh, I've been using the Shure Bullet, and way back in the day, I used to use the Aesthetic. Okay, what about recording? Any any microphones particularly for recording? Yeah, uh, the Green Bullet, and, and every now and then, I, I, I still have an Aesthetic that I like for some things. Mostly, I use this. I use the short green bullet mostly now. And uh, what about effects pedals? We talked about you use effects, you know, very well. So, any effects you use? Actually, I used to use effects when I was uh, when I was living in uh, in France. I used I used to use a lot of pedals back then, and I used and I used pedals when I when I first moved over to uh, Chicago. But at some point, I just dumped all the effects and went with the, and I was like, I wanted to get back to the natural sound of the harp and do the amplifier. Okay, so last question then. So again, thanks for your time and uh, appreciate you taking the time that you're busy there. So No problem, man. Thank you. Just about your future plans now. What what have you got coming up? You mentioned that you're, you're thinking about recording a new album. Yeah, man, I've written, I've written a lot of tunes, man. Uh, since the COVID lockdown gave me a lot of time to sit, sit around and think about this, that, and the other. So I've written, so I've written a lot of material, and it's time to get in the studio and record. So uh, is that going to happen? Uh, or maybe come out next year that album? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I think it should be uh, it should be ready by uh, by next year. Yeah. Are you going to record that over in in uh, Italy, or are you going back to Chicago? Well, right now I'm going to probably be we're probably going to do, be doing some Zoom sessions, man. You know? 
Oh, yeah. I was, I was zoomed into Chicago and uh, hooked, hooked up with, uh, with Rico McFarland. And, and, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll do it like that. We'll do it like that, you know. It's, uh, I don't want to be traveling all over the place right now, man. COVID is saying stay, hunker down. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So thank you so much for joining me today and taking the time, Sugar Boo. It's been great to speak to you. Hey, man, my pleasure, Neil. Thank you. And uh, take care. You all stay safe. And good music to you. That's another episode in the bag. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Apologies for the sound quality on that. Sugar was in a restaurant, but I'm sure you'll all agree some fantastic stuff from him there. Worth my sponsor again, the Lone Wolf Blues Company. Makers of effects pedals and microphones and amplifiers. Some great stuff they make to complement your sound. Be sure to check out their website. And also a reminder that the Spotify playlist contains most of the tracks discussed during the podcast. So search that out on Spotify and listen to some of the recordings of these great artists. And the final thing, uh, please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You get updates on your favourite podcast player on your smartphone then. Of course, you can listen through the website. So, Sugar, play as the Hoochie Coochie Man.